Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Rob Sesternino, and I'm very excited to kick off a brand new Survivor off-season series that is going to challenge some uh, long-held notions about some of Survivor's most historic players here on a, a brand new series you thought you knew. I'm very excited to bring in the hosts of this brand new series that Survivor brought them together, and now they're hosting this off-season series. Please welcome in Kevin McLean and Nigel Bocanegra. Hello, Kevin and Nigel. Hey, Rob. Thanks for that lovely introduction. For everybody that might not know me yet, I'm Nigel Bocanegra. We're really excited about this new series, You Thought You Knew. In this series, we're going to be talking about famous survivors that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or even just misunderstood. Players that give us a lot to talk about. We'll be posing a question about each of these contestants at the beginning of the podcast, and we're going to discuss them. And then at the end, we're going to consider, was this uh, an accurate view or have we changed our mind on it? It's a way for us to revisit some of the players while trying to think about them from a different point of view. Yeah, uh, I'm Kevin McLean, and I think you should really think about our show as like a Survivor book club or maybe a Survivor edit club. It's just a character appreciation or a character analysis show where we're going to examine the legacies, lore, and discourse around Survivor's most fascinating characters. And I say characters with a bold and a bullet and all capitals because, you know, in the age of social media, quite often we might be thinking at these people as, as real people. And while they are real people, we're more interested in thinking of them as devices that move a season's narrative 
narrative through or push other characters and stories to the forefront. And so rather than recapping episodes and gameplay, Nigel and I are going to be more interested in discussing characters and more importantly, how those characters have been received, understood, and misunderstood over uh, the past 20 years by this growing and changing audience. Um, There's just so many great shows about Survivor. I think many great podcasts, of course, about Survivor, where they talk about what happens on Survivor. But I think you should think of our podcast as a podcast where people talk about people talking about Survivor. It's a show about discourse in particular. And I'm really excited to jump into today's episode. For those who aren't familiar with us, as Rob said, Survivor brought us together. We're a part of the class, uh, the RHAP class of 2020, but we originally met at an RHAP patron meetup to watch the season finale of Ghost Island. Uh, So, you know, Rob, I think you should be taking a a lot of pride here in bringing together an RHAP couple that can't stop talking about Survivor. (laughs) Yes, yes. Ghost Island, that it wasn't just uh, Dominic and Wendell that tied that night. It was you two as well. Two legendary duos, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Yeah. So not even Laurel can split you two apart. I like to see her try. (laughs) (laughs) So Rob, thanks for joining us today because we're talking about a player that most of us are probably familiar with, Colleen Haskell. Kevin, do you want to give us a little introduction on Colleen? Sure. My, My dramatic intro. Colleen Haskell made headlines during Survivor's inaugural season as the show's first ever sweetheart. She was so cute, innocent, and popular, she made it onto red carpets, TV, and even in a movie starring opposite of Rob Schneider. And after receiving all of this fame and accolades, she vanished. Still, her sweetheart moniker lived on, and the title of sweetheart would be taken on by Elizabeth and Nalia. But was Colleen really as sweet as her two successors? Or was this snippy commentary and deadpan delivery that she became known for make her actually more similar to perhaps Courtney Yates? Can you be snarky, apathetic, and still a sweetheart? What makes a sweetheart anyways? Was Colleen Haskell really a sweetheart? You think you knew Colleen Haskell? Well, by the end of this podcast, you will. So, Rob, first, I think we need to determine what is a sweetheart? Who do you think are some examples of survivor sweethearts? Well, it's really interesting. You know, Colleen Haskell certainly did capture the heart of America. Anybody that was watching Survivor back in the summer of 2000, like I was, I mean, Colleen was one of two of uh, my favorite players, probably my most favorite player uh, that I was rooting for the most uh, during the course of that season. And I don't think that we could define what a survivor sweetheart was other than she was sort of like a, you know, a a young woman who we were rooting for in that season. I do think it's interesting when we have the conversation, we bring in Elizabeth Falarski, now Hasselbeck, into the conversation because those two are so linked through survivor history. And I do think that Elizabeth is like becomes far more the definition of what a survivor sweetheart uh, would be. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Elizabeth definitely feels a bit more um, rainbows and puppy dogs, mm-hmm. uh, more Lisa Frank, if you will, than maybe Colleen comes off. But I think people have almost retconned Colleen as being the same as Elizabeth, even though I think they are actually very different people. So I think that's a lot to explore um, there. Uh, Nigel, I mean, do you think there are any aspects of like what makes a sweetheart a sweetheart? 
You know, I always think the sweetheart is someone who has a sense of innocence to them. Someone who is uh, certainly not considered one of like the dirtier players of the season. I think that the sweetheart is usually a younger woman. Uh, someone that the fans, I think, are kind of easily able to rally behind. That's yeah. normally what I think of. Yeah, and I think, you know, to me, the uh, I, I feel like I could have a degree in Survivor Sweetheart Studies. I just find them so interesting. Um, and it's just... Uh, for the longest time, I always heard it's Colleen, Elizabeth, Nalia. There were like the big three, though, like there were other sweethearts or attempted sweethearts along the way. I think Amber in um, oh, Australia sure. is supposed to be like a backup sweetheart in case Elizabeth didn't turn out right. But then she was aligned with Jerry. Mm-hmm. And so like you can't have the sweetheart aligned with Jerry. I think it's the same problem Kim Powers has in Africa, where she kind of takes on that role a little bit as like a late game, rootable outsider, which is quite often what the sweetheart is. But she's tied to the mall rats in the beginning, so you can't really make her that. I think Tanya Vance, I think Michelle from Pearl Islands, uh, Dolly from Vanuatu are all real attempts at having these kind of more cutesy, sweet, nice uh, women who are young on the show, but I don't think any of them ever got as far or as established as those main three. Um, but I, I think even people like Michelle Yee almost became a almost honorary survivor. So to me, it's like Elizabeth, Colleen, and Nilia are like the um, the Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty of it all. Like they are the core, the originals, and then you have some offshoots and um, that come later that are kind of fun, but never achieve that same status. But I think there's just so much to discuss here. Yeah. And I think there's also like, it, it's a very layered conversation because I feel it's, it's also like has a, a lot to do with also like, uh, people's like preconceived notions about women also where then I think that you start to, I think in, once you get to Mark Casas, uh, specifically and Sarah Jones comes into play, you know, it's, it's to be the sweetheart of the season. Like it's really like, it's very important. Like the, the sweetheart is not somebody who is trying to, you know, use, her looks or sexuality to manipulate the men in the season. That's, uh, you know, that's not something that we like to see. So if you're a sweetheart, you know, we're looking for somebody who is a woman, a young woman who is like very wholesome, very seemingly nice. And like, we have like a, a lot of expectations of what that person is going to be, to be quote unquote, America's sweetheart. Yeah, I think like a classic good girl. And I think that's wrapped in a lot of ways that, you know, America perceives women. And I actually think one reason maybe the sweetheart character has fallen as an archetype over time is that I think back when the show was more about morality um, and, uh, you know, know, a lot of the sweethearts do not want to play the game the way the game is supposed to be played. Um, You know, as soon as that kind of shifts away and like now you have women who really want to play the game and kind of like weaponize their sexuality in times. I mean, you were on with Jenna and Heidi who are kind of more like that vixen archetype, Mm -hmm. the siren, um, a seductress, if you will, once you get to like Julian Parvati and the show really starts loving that type of portrayal of women um, that the sweetheart character, which I think is you know, supposed to be kind of perceived as a bit, you know, like virginal, if you will, you know, very untouched um, in like the, 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 you know, by, by the world. The evils of the game. Yeah. And like just being exceptionally innocent, almost like they should be an insert for like junior high, you know, age kids, like watching the show, seeing themselves in. I mean, I referenced Courtney Yates in the intro and, you know, she even says herself at that China reunion that kids love her, right. Despite actually being presented to us as very negative, like this kind of, you know, smaller, cuter, uh, spunky outsider who seems to have like, uh, really strong opinions against the really bad players, you know, kind of 
you know, really resonates with younger audiences. And I know, um, you know, Colleen really resonated with me because I was so young at that time. So Rob, I'm going to pose the question of the episode to you. Gut reaction, is Colleen a sweetheart? <sighs> um, she is and was America's sweetheart, for sure. Uh, but I do think that when we go back and look at her and talk about like what she did, like I definitely feel like she does not uh, fit into that trope of what we're talking about. And I think that that might have been maybe forced on her a little bit more by the edit than the actual type of person she was. I agree. I think people are projecting a lot because we want that there to be a sweetheart. We want that person to be that. And Colleen kind of fits that mold really well because she's a bit more soft-spoken um, uh, and she's edited to be such a a victim almost, you know, like the world's happening to her. So um, in my opinion, I will say, yes, I think Colleen Haskell is a sweetheart, though I don't, I, I think you should have a more wider understanding of what a sweetheart is to like fit her in that it's it's if you have a very narrow definition it's much harder to call her a sweetheart mm -hmm. i am going to be uh going out on the limb and i'm going to say no colleen is not a sweetheart of survivor so let's just jump right into it here first kev let's just make sure that everybody who's listening maybe they have not watched in a while gets a quick refresher on colleen can you give us a couple of maybe facts you would put on the back of her survivor baseball card Yes. And um, if those don't exist yet, we should be really be making all of them. Uh, so uh, the Colleen Haskell baseball card, I mean, I would first say 23-year-old advertising student from Miami, Florida, uh, via Bethesda, Maryland, uh, Pagong tribe member. Um, and, uh, you know, she was a member of the Pagong tribe, merged uh, with the Toggies, and the Pagong tribe was notably a bit more naive when it came to alliances. And they were going to be picked off one by one by the evil Toggy alliance, so on day 33, Colleen was the last member of the Pagongs and voted out, placing sixth overall. Um, and that's also a fun fact of where the word Pagonging comes from, which is to be picked off by the opposition uh, quite often with very little fanfare. And, um, you know, I just think that Colleen really was this opposition to the nefarious Toggies. She was the show's first ever sweetheart and dubbed that in a lot of like articles and uh, discussions around the show. Uh, I think Colleen's also notable for being the first woman to win a reward challenge, um, but is often more remembered as someone who would pass up a lot of opportunities to return, notably all-stars in Heroes versus Villains. Now we're going to do a little exercise, a game even, if you will. We're going to go around as a group trying to come up with the top five best Colleen Haskell moments from Survivor. We only need to get to five. Anybody want to go first? Rob, do you want to get us kicked off What's here? What's the first thing you think of when you think of Colleen? Um, I feel like, I, I don't know if these are necessarily like moments, but these are just things uh, about her. I, I think about like, uh, and I guess it was maybe in her her last episode, um, she has a scene where she's going through, she's like, yeah, I've probably got like, you know, a million bug bites on my legs and just has like the those like, like terrible looking, just like bug bites all over her legs. And uh, like bugs are like flying out of like her legs and she's like, uh, like rubbing her hands on them. Uh, and uh, she really got destroyed by the bugs in Borneo. We were watching some clips to, you know, get reminded uh, of Colleen's journey. And every time they cut to her legs, you could just see the bugs crawling on them too. It was it was actually a, a bit uncomfortable to, to look at. I can't imagine how uncomfortable it was to 
to have those. Yeah, it stands out. My Colleen moment I'd like to add here is um, when she wins the reward challenge, which is for Letters from Home. Uh, this is right after Jenna Lewis did not get the video in the previous round. Mm-hmm. And it's the first ever challenge where you have the opportunity to get to like have someone come on to the reward with you. So Colleen wins and Jeff's like, okay, how would you like to share this reward? And then Colleen stops him halfway through and goes, with everybody. And then Jeff has to be like, no, just one person. And she's like, you can't make me choose. And she ends up choosing Jenna Lewis along. But I think it's like a moment where we're supposed to really see Colleen as this super sweet girl. I mean, she wants to share it with everyone. Like, why wouldn't she do that? And not knowing that there would be a stipulation in the rules that like, of course you can't share with everyone, but that wouldn't be known to the contestants at the time. Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite moments is that final tribal after they've had all of the speeches They're going up and doing their voting confessionals. Colleen walks up to the camera, just kind of rests her elbow onto the voting urn, and she just goes, this is awful. (laughs) Before saying anything else, she's just, you know, heard Sue berate Kelly. And I I think you really get the notion that Colleen was kind of along for this adventure. And now there's just people who are randomly, you know, really belittling some of the other adventurers on this Mm -hmm. journey. You know, I think that's such an interesting point, Nigel, that, you know, I feel like that she was kind of like reluctantly there. Uh, Like, I don't even know, like, how she ended up on the show. Like, I I just feel like that her whole thing is that I I just feel like that she's there, like, against her will. It's like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I just feel like that's her whole vibe through the season. So it's actually funny you mentioned that. We were going through Kevin's DVDs of Borneo, and in some of the extra content, you got a clip of Colleen's audition video and further into the process. And in it, she says she's there because her friend is auditioning for survivors. So she's just like, okay, I guess I'll do it too. And so I think she accidentally ended up on this show. Yeah, she says... you know, I'm here to support my friend. And, you know, she talked a lot about teamwork. And I think Karen is just such a great team player. And I'm just here to support her. And I just, you know, think Karen's great. And you should really pick her. Mm -hmm. And then they go with Colleen, which is like, again, so classically Colleen, of course, is that she didn't even want to be there, but we can't help ourselves. Like Colleen, I think quite often shows us like, like uh, if you just read her transcripts, like we should not be interested in her, but we can't, but it's like she like makes us wanting more. Like people keep, can't help, but like, you know, bring her in. I will add that to a Colleen moment here, just because I think we're trying to round up to five, is um, uh, when she says, uh, it's all about the sex with yeah, Greg, yeah. When, with all the rumors and like, and she's obviously being sarcastic, but they definitely edit it in a way that makes us supposed to imagine maybe there's a, and the first island showmance, if you will, is like emerging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, when she gets voted out, uh, you know, I always remember her final words. Uh, She ends up telling the Tagi Alliance, who she's not a fan of. She really thinks that, you know, like uh, she really seems like morally to be against this idea that they made an alliance and, you know, it's not right. She says to them on the way out, be nice, play fair. And, you know, I I think that that was uh, such a a great summary of like the way that, you know, she was feeling about how they were playing the game. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Robin. Something that I find interesting is that I always remembered Colleen as just being uninterested in the gameplay and and more there for the journey, the the adventure, if you will. But uh, I I caught a small moment when she was talking with, um, I think, either... 
uh, Jenna or Jervis. And she's, it's after, I think it's final eight. So there's a Toggy four majority if they can just kind of secure Sean. And Colleen's like, ah, oh, we're all going to get picked off. We can see what's happening. It's just me, Jenna and Jervis. You know, unless we have something else that Jervis can like think of. She's she's kind of throwing out there like Jervis, if you have a way to save us, let's go ahead and do that. I do think she has a little more focus on the game than I maybe necessarily thought, but yeah. she's certainly not someone who is heavily invested in the game. And, you know, she, I don't think she wants, you know, she kind of is always like, a, she's a little too cool, you know, all the time. She's like, we should form an alliance. Like, but if you want, like, I, don't, I mean, we don't have to. She's always very, um, uh, she doesn't want to, she doesn't love to ever come off as desperate, I feel like. Um, See, but I think that is part of her charm. I, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily like desperate. Like, I feel like that, you know, when we have in the modern era, you know, millennials uh, versus uh, Gen X, uh, and like, you know, we really got to see like a lot more of like what the young millennials were going to be like. And now we're seeing more of what the like uh, the next generation, the young Gen Z players that come up. But I think in the very beginning of Survivor and you see it in Borneo and you see it in Africa also, like when Gen X was the young up and coming generation. Like, I do think that like if you like watch like a lot of like any like 90s movies and stuff like that, that the the whole vibe of Gen X is like, we don't want to do anything. <laughs> we don't want to like, do we have to like, uh, we really, we want to sit around and drink coffee. Uh, like we don't like, uh, don't bother us. And I think that Colleen is such a great representation of what, like basically like the friends generation, you know, that, that I think is just, she was just like, didn't want to be bothered. Um, I, I don't know why she was there, but she was like, I'm here, like, leave me alone. Yeah. And I actually think it's really great that you brought up some, uh, I think part of her charm is that she's so Gen X in particular. And, uh, you know, Gen X, I think in the conversations with millennials versus baby boomers, I think the constant conversation we're seeing in media, you know, Gen Xers are kind of forgotten about actually very often, but, um, I think the kind of apathy and we want to be forgotten about. Yeah. Well, you know, so I actually did some research on this and there was a, uh, an article and maybe I'll add it to like, you know, the show notes. Um, it talked about, you know, what does it mean to be Gen X? And they said in it that uh, anti-consumerist, you know, uh, anti-authority, kind of just seeing that the institutions that were being built uh, that they kind of came into are not nearly as great as maybe the baby boomers and preceding generations thought they were. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why they're a little bit more... Um, uh, distrustful, I would say. And, and where like millennials are very eager, I, I, I think is like a huge difference. And so um, I think that is part of her charm because it also happens at that, that time, you know, maybe Colleen Haskell, if she was on millennials versus Gen X has a very different portrayal. And I, I think millennials versus Gen X compared to Borneo is really interesting because Borneo does have a lot of older people and a lot of younger people. You can kind of look at it as a you know, first iteration of millennials versus Gen X. But in millennials versus Gen X, it feels like it's about the millennials. And then the Gen Xers are just, what is the opposition to millennials? It feels like they give them a lot of like baby boomer traits mm -hmm. for some reason, even <laughs> though that's not actually like their generation, yeah. you know? Yeah, you know, Gen X, it like it does span like uh, a, you know, a wide uh, swath of like, a, you know, I feel like that, you know, uh, I don't know how uh, exactly like, you know, Rich and Sue and, you know, um, you, you know, uh, people in, in that 
you know, age uh, demographic. Like, I, I don't know when they were born. I, I'm going to guess sometime, sometime in the 60s. Whereas these players that are like more of the young Gen Xers, they're all going to be born in like the late 70s. So there's probably like, you know, 15, 20 year age difference between some of them. So they're probably like lumped into the same generation. Um, but, you know, it, it's a little bit different, like the uh, the younger Gen Xers. Yeah, and you can actually see, like, in Borneo, I feel like the older players, the riches and Sues of the world, are definitely much more, this is our chance, this is our opportunity, and we should strategize to move ourselves forward, and the Pagongs, which feel very Gen X to me, at least, um, you know, represent the antithesis of that. So, um, yeah, I think this is this is going off very well. I mean, Rob, can you, can you expand a bit more about what were your thoughts on Colleen in general or currently, you know? Yeah. Well, I... Rob, really quick before you you continue, I think it's really interesting that the three of us have very different um, experiences with Borneo because the two of you, I, I believe you were watching at the time, sure. Rob, were much more aware of what was happening at the time. I came into Survivor around the time of Kageon, so everything I see is, you know, decade plus later. But the two of you were also very different ages, which I think colors your uh, experiences with seeing the show. So sorry for cutting you off. I'm just interested in hearing what you have to say. Yeah, um, it was great setup that I I loved Colleen Haskell. I, I think she was like, uh, like um, just a phenomenon. And I don't even know necessarily what it was in particular that she was doing other than there is uh, this, you know, uh, attractive woman on this show that I really like. And it's like, OK, well, uh, I'm a fan of hers. You know, she it wasn't she wasn't particularly funny. You know, she wasn't like a, a great player or anything like that. It was just like, OK, well, she's like, uh, you know, uh, a just uh, a, a popular, you know, attractive person on this show. And so I'm a fan. Yeah. And well, so now that time has moved on from them and now that, you know, uh, you, you know, you're married and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. What are your current thoughts on Colleen, I guess? Like, have, have they changed since, you know, 2000? I imagine they have to change at least a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they've changed in that, you know, um, Survivor has given us so many more colorful characters, uh, you know, rich characters and not, not rich, not Richard Hatch, uh, <laughs> like, but like, like characters that, that actually like played the game and, you know, uh, said really, you know, introspective and hilarious things. And so I, I feel like that my, you know, interest in Colleen was at an all time high during Survivor Borneo and like has, you know, only, you know, waned since watching Survivor Borneo 22 years ago. And so um, I guess so my, my question to you, Rob, is this so, so interesting is what would you have done if Colleen was on Survivor All Stars? You know, I've been very excited, um, <laughs> you know, that she is somebody who, you know, I, I thought that maybe one day I would I would meet. Uh, having, you know, she was still like, you know, one of my favorite players like at the time um, and people would have been so excited. Of course, you know, she was such a, you know, um, sensation, like a famous person, you know, uh, was, you know, the, the people that were, you know, like really the most famous, famous from that first season, you know, she's, she's right there, um, with, you know, Richard Hatch and Rudy as being sort of like the breakout stars from Survivor Borneo. So that yeah, would have been very excited to have gotten the chance to uh, meet her in person. 
but it never happened. It never happened. I've never, I've never uh, met her at any of the, uh, you know, events or anything like that. She has really, you know, in the same way that it was like, she didn't want to be there. You know, I think she went to go do the movie somehow. Basically, I don't know how much money they offered her to go be in the movie with Rob Schneider. But if you have ever like read any accounts of what it was like, like on the set of the movie, she didn't want to be there either. <laughs> Rob Schneider, of all people, like said she was like incredibly like unprofessional to work with. And I think she just didn't want to be a part of uh, of any of this. Like she just she was a woman who worked in a bookstore and then wanted nothing more than to get back to the bookstore. I mean, she did. She, I, I believe she did go and work in production and work like behind the camera on some other like TV projects. But she really she uh, that it, and she's such an interesting survivor figure in that so many survivors or so many people come to Survivor to chase like like a moth to a flame. Uh, that they they are here to be a famous person. And here's the person who became the most famous person because of this and didn't want any of it. I Rob, that's like such a great point. And I think one thing that really stands out with Colleen is that I think it's possible that she is the player who has the biggest gap between her interest of the show and our interest in her. <laughs> we just, we, we want more. We want to know more about her. And she is running away from all of this as, as fast as she can. I also like the idea that she's like halfway through filming this movie and saying to herself, why did I do this again? How did I end up here a second time? I don't want to be a part of any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the, uh, what Rob said was totally accurate here, which is that, you know, uh, she didn't want to 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 be there, and she kind of shined the limelight. But that almost made us love her more because it's like that's the perfect. She's like the opposite of Madonna, right? Like Colleen is like forever enshrined with being young, and like she's not a, a especially as a woman, someone who's trying to stay relevant, which is something I think quite often a lot of parts of our society really bristle at. Um, Mm-hmm. Rob, I feel like you you perked up when I mentioned Madonna. No, well, I wasn't going to say Madonna, <laughs> but I do feel like that, you know, it, it's almost like two sides of the same coin of to bring Elizabeth Filarski back into this. Because I, I feel like that Elizabeth, everything that she did, and again, I, I um, have only had a, like a, a one quick encounter with Elizabeth Filarski, uh, Hasselbeck. I, I, I do not know her, okay? Um, but it is my impression that... Everything that she did and and everything about her, like I feel like was very carefully calculated in terms of giving this impression to the audience of I am going to really cultivate this sweetheart character and and give that to Survivor and to America to give to give them this character, which I know will be, you know, uh, so successful. And Colleen is truly the antithesis of that. Colleen is like, I will not give you that. <laughs> like, I will go out of my way to not do that. I don't want that. And don't put that on me because I don't want, I, I'm not, and I'm not going to be fake. And Colleen can't be fake. Yeah, that's so interesting because that that means that it's not just them who who can be viewed as mirrors of each other, but also their edits. Because I think that Colleen is just, you know, herself. She's not putting anything on, but the show is editing the clips of her saying, you know, oh, with when I'm with Greg, it's all about the sex. 
they're they're adding like music cues or things to make it seem like it's a serious thing we should be considering. And if you know Elizabeth is actually playing up to the cameras uh, to a, a degree that you think to be true, Rob, that means that the show is also choosing to really show her in the sweet light as best they can. So the show is also trying to make them almost uh, both appear differently than maybe the the reality truly uh, would look like. Then. Yeah, I feel like that Colleen and Greg, like both of them have a uh, a little bit of like a, like a Holden Caulfield uh, catcher in the rye to them in that I think that they are both, um, they hate anything that is like phony and fake uh, that they're not going to, they're not going to do that. You know, they, they can't not just be like their authentic selves. They think it's lame to do something like that and to pretend to be somebody else. And they're both like, I think that they feel like, you know, their authenticity is really like the only way like a person should be. And then you're going to have all these other people who are going to come along over the years, specifically like, you know, from the Australian cast and and like who are really like, oh, OK, I understand how this works. I'm going to give the producers this that Greg and Colleen that they, I think they hated all of this. Yeah. Like Colleen would not be a diary room yeller at all. Like no. it, it is just, and I think that's part of the fun, right? Um, uh, Nigel, I know that I think maybe for, you know, listeners here, do you want to talk about how you got into like what your exposure with Colleen was? Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting because I, I started watching during Coggy on pretty soon afterwards. I found RHAP. I was on Reddit following along during the season and I, I really just dove in headfirst that way. So I started to learn bits and pieces about characters from the past. And so I, I really built up this idea of Colleen as someone who was our first sweetheart and made a lot of assumptions based on that. And when I went to go actually watch these episodes, I was really surprised by how uh, cheeky, maybe a word I would use to describe her, she was. I think in confessionals, she can certainly, you know, really be um, funny in a cutting way, something I think people really enjoyed. And it really just did not match what I was expecting. You know, I and, and I think it's interesting the way that, the uh, discourse can shape your view of things. You know, when I started uh, going on Reddit, I thought that like Kat Ederson was this like really big, important character to the show because people were always talking about her. <laughs> and looking back, it's like, oh, she was just, you know, on the show in the last year. That's why people are talking mm -hmm. about her. But Colleen seems to like hold on to this idea of a, a mythical kind of evasive character in the show's history. So I was really surprised to see the actual... Uh, product, the outing of Borneo and what we get of Colleen. Um, but Kevin, you were eight years old at the time that Borneo was on. I was correct? eight. Borneo happened. And then the 2000 election, it was it, a lot of was happening in our world in, in 2000. And um, Colleen was said, the first contestant from Florida, Florida, Florida. Ah, ah. well, you know, um, it's so interesting to have Nigel as a new school fan kind of come in with me because uh, I've, I've, I've like shepherd his rewatch experience in many ways since, you know, we're a couple and we can watch so much of the show yeah. together and discuss that is that I, uh, that when he watched it, he was not nearly as enamored by Colleen as I think someone should, but I think that's hard to understand as someone who I was there at the time. So like I was, the magic was there. And as someone who's rewatching it, especially with how fast more modern seasons are, I do think it doesn't come off nearly the same way. And disinterest in the game feels so 
uh, like not, that's not something people watch the show for. People want people who care. I mean, think about the seasons in the forties. It's like inspirational story after inspirational story about people who want to be there. And so to me, like Colleen is so special to me, but I think that is because of who I was at the time, what was going on at the time. And I don't think she's captured in the same way by someone who's rewatching it as I think Borneo really is hard to, I think, pivot to when you're used to, um, uh, current survivor. Um, and so it broke my heart when Nigel was like lukewarm on Colleen, because to me, as an eight-year-old kid at the time, she was the best thing that has ever existed. I was obsessed with Colleen. She's probably still in my top 20 Survivor contestants of all time. She was just, and I loved her little spunkiness, the way that she would call Sean stupid and Richard annoying. And like, you know, she feels very uh, Disney protagonist, if you will, to me. Very, very, um, just so cute and adorable. And I, 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 I just loved her. Yeah, I think that she was also somebody who like vocalized a lot of the way that the audience might have been feeling, specifically about the people that were from Tagi. You know, she would tell you in confessions, "Oh, Rich, he's so arrogant." You know, uh, you know, uh, Sean, he's like, "Whoa, what an idiot!" You know, he should like she would be like not like super cutting, but she would say, "I, I think a lot of the things that the audience." might have been feeling about some of these actual people she was living with. Yeah. And I just think there's so much to explore with Colleen. And so I think uh, the next thing we need to do is kind of figure out how does the current fan base feel about Colleen in general? And we can do that right after this break. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Kev, you said you wanted to get a better idea of what the view of Colleen is amongst the fans. I know you did a little bit of internet research to get a better idea. So what are some of the things that you found? Yes, so I think, uh, you know, went on Reddit, you know, Googling Colleen Haskell through and through. And uh, I actually found a popularity poll on the subreddit, the Survivor subreddit in 2016, and where, you know, everyone ranked you know, all of the contestants essentially, giving them a score between like one and 10. And then they averaged all of that out and then released them in batches, right? So who was the most popular people? So I think this is actually a pretty fun window into figuring out, you know, Colleen's popularity. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, Rob, this is 2016. So around like co-wrong-ish time, 
Do you think Colleen Haskell was a top 10, top 50, top 100, bottom 50? You know, where do you think she yeah, probably- this is just popularity. Landed? It's not, this isn't based off of um, that. Uh, how good of a player you are or anything like that? Just popularity and, um, you know, all the returnees are in here as well. So like, yeah. you know, Parvati would have like three iterations. I'm going to say, point. I don't think she's in the top 10, but I guess she's in the top 20. You guessed top 20. Nige, did you want to take any guesses? Yeah, I would say like top 100 because I think I maybe. Oh, I know. I know. Maybe I'm probably off here. Uh, Colleen Haskell in this 2016 poll ranked as number 49. Oh, OK. Okay. So actually in between the two of you, and um, I'm glad it was, you know, top 50. I, I was always, I'm always so scared because I'm, I, I feel like I'm so protective of Colleen. Um, I think she actually might've been my first survivor crush before I knew I was gay. You know, like I, I just, I, I, I loved her. So um, she ranked as number 49. She was ranked fourth out of all of Borneo. Rob, do you have oh an idea God. of who you think the subreddit put above Colleen? <sighs> um, above Colleen from Borneo? Um, I'm going to say maybe Rudy, Greg, and I'll say Rich. That is correct. Um, ah, perfect. Yeah. We didn't that was impressive. We didn't invest into a bell, so we do a lot of <laughs> clapping here. Um, <laughs> uh, so so uh, Greg, Rich, Rudy, all ranked above. Um, and some other interesting things that I found here in this popularity poll post is that it talked a lot about the demographics that liked Colleen as well, like each of the people. So her least favorable demographic were people from ages 20 to 25. So people who are a little bit younger mm -hmm. in general. And I think that probably lines up with my perspective that if you had been there at the time, you probably like her more. Um, and then also talked about correlations. So like if you gave Colleen a good score, who else would you give a good score to? If you give her a bad score, who else gets a bad score? Uh, people with a strong positive correlation include Greg Buis. Makes sense. Um, which I think it's like, if you love one, it's weird that you would hate the other. Mm -hmm. And Michelle Yi from Survivor Fiji, who I think is, like I said, an honorary sweetheart. I think also someone who feels under-edited, but actually very memorable, despite maybe having not even the biggest edit. Like, I think even in Borneo, Jenna Lewis probably had more content than Colleen, but Colleen just stands out. I think the way that like Michelle stands out despite being an early boot as well. I think it's funny to think of uh, Michelle Yee as a similar character in the show to Colleen because I, I don't think that Michelle comes in with the prestige that Colleen does. But I think if you look at the actual outings and the way that people think of them, you know, if, if Colleen was just on like Marquesas instead, just like a, a less important, if you will, season to the show. I feel like that would make a lot of sense as, as them being similar. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, they tend to work with the same types of of, of personality. I mean, people that tend to, uh, no, I, I just think there's like a, like a, it's, it's like a DNA test you can do. Like whoever you like, if you like Suri, you probably like Sandra, right? Like there's all these, like they, they tend to work with similar like, like demographics. Um, and then I wanted to mention a quick shout out to a strong negative correlation. So this is like quite often they are negative. So either you're high on Colleen, you're negative on this person, or you're high on this person, you're negative on Colleen. And that person is Jenna Lewis, all-stars appearance. Rob, do you have a reaction to this? So if you like Colleen, you hate Jenna Lewis All-Stars appearance. Uh, yes, and, and vice versa. More likely to. They're, yeah. they're correlated in opposite directions. Well, so the interesting thing about Colleen and Jenna, who also get sort of like maybe like the not as, uh, you know, uh, 
overt like Jenna Lewis was not as popular as Colleen during the first season and Jenna Lewis goes out a little bit earlier than Colleen does in the season but also you know the thing you think about with Jenna Lewis is she didn't get her video and she's the mom and she's you know sort of like this uh you know young young woman and she's all about you know her uh you know her daughters and not to say that she's not but then she comes back on Survivor All-Stars and she's a lot more like um you know Talking about like uh, this person is stupid. And I'm going to rip their throats out and stuff like that. Um, and, and that's more the real Jenna Lewis. Uh, <laughs> like she got a bad, a bad edit in Borneo. I think Jenna Lewis in All Stars is uh, as an opposite to Colleen is really fun because Jenna Lewis in All Stars takes the game so seriously. She has all of the winners in her scope. She's you know trying to do everything I think she can to correct what happened in Borneo to have success in All Stars and caring about the game so much. I think is the opposite of Colleen in Borneo. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And I think also, you know, it's well known that, you know, Jenna took Colleen's spot, right, in All-Stars. I feel like that's that's talked about a lot. And so I'm sure if you love All-Stars, Jenna, you probably think, well, Colleen didn't really need to be on there. You know, I'm glad, you know, Jenna All-Stars gets a chance to 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 be there. And I think uh, 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 actually probably a really fun person for, you know, you, you thought you knew Jenna Lewis because um, – I think Borneo to All-Stars feels like such a heel turn, if you will. And it's Mm -hmm. a heel turn I welcome because I think it was just a fun to see a different layer to a contestant. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Kevin, any, anything else you found online to color the, the idea of. So just a few other things quickly. When I was searching her in the subreddit, quite often the posts that would come up, like the most relevant ones were not as much about like discussing Colleen as a character or as a game player, but a lot of um, photo of Colleen, uh, wild sighting of Colleen. Uh, why isn't Colleen Colleen's come spying. back? Yeah. It's all about like the mystery around her, which I find interesting. Um, Rob, do you find this uh, surprising at all? Or, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's so odd that somebody who went on reality TV, you know, does not want to be uh, seen. And really like we're so trained by, you know, 22 years of this sort of like competition reality TV, the people that go on these shows really do normally like want to be seen. That's why they, they want to be found. They're trying to, you know, get clout. And Colleen is just one of the few people who very early on, you know, did this thing, didn't really know what it was, and got a little taste of of this, you know, pre-social media fame and didn't like it and sort of retreated from it and has never like reversed course and done like a comeback. Even like Kelly Wigglesworth comes back for Survivor Second Chances, you know, that some of these people like uh, came back out of nowhere and it's like, oh, oh my God, it's them. She never has. Greg never has. And they never will. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to quickly add earlier when we we're talking about our, 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 our fandom of, of, of these contestants was that, uh, I had always wanted for the longest time for calling to return. I mean, who didn't, you know, for years after years after years. Um, and then, you know, now I don't think I would ever want calling yeah. to return because I think the mystery is part of it. And I knew what I saw what they did to Kelly Wigglesworth in Cambodia in that edit. I, I just feel like Colleen yeah. could have that very similar fate and just be like an under the radar contestant. And it would just like, it would damage all of the, I think, Things I've projected. Could upon you imagine Colleen. though? You know, Survivor forty five comes back. It's like with the big news, everybody. Colleen Haskell is back, and she gets out there. She's like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> what, what is what is what the hell is going on?" 
what is a fire token? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Explain this advantage to me five more times. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. but I would die for all the confessionals where she is that flippant about it. She's like, you want me to do what? Like, uh, what hourglass? You know, like she, it would be really kind of, I think we could probably enjoy that. It's almost like Cody Nixon on Big Brother was, I think, stood out to a lot of people as someone who felt different than everyone else because he didn't care mm-hmm. in the same way. Yeah. But I I, I would be, I, I've made peace with that Colleen will never return again and that like she's forever this, no, this, this, nor this should she. She should never go back to Survivor. She didn't seem to like it, so <laughs> no. she, she probably should And if right? she didn't like it then, she's really not going <laughs> to like it now. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I guess, you know... I mean, talk, she should do talking with T-Bird. Oh, that definitely. I, I highly support that. Um, I would pay good money to have her on talking. With oh, T-Bird. we've been working on it for quite some time. It's like a, uh, a subscription service. You really have to start paying extra to get to the Colleen content. I feel like mm-hmm. because that is a real no, like. T Bird has been like, like she really she writes letters. Uh, she's she is working very hard on it. Working the phones. Uh, th- you know, thank God we have her on that. And it, and it wouldn't be Colleen if it weren't that difficult yeah. to get a hold of her. Don't yeah. tell T Bird what she can't do. so i think we should establish kind of like what are some of the major i guess what's the impression of of colleen to like today's audience i i I, obviously you're a new school fan is there what i mean i I think that people think of colleen as elusive right that she she's aloof from Mm -hmm. the show oh aloof is a really good way um and I think most people still see her as like the sweetheart. I think there is more commentary that like, was she really as sweet as she was portrayed? But I think she's still seen as like cutesy, young. Like that's that's the way we should still be. Kind of, like when people talk about Colleen today, they're constantly referring to her as like a sweetheart or maybe as someone who's not really good at the game. I feel like we hear that a lot. Like the, the very, um, like a poor player. How was she a poor player? What did she do wrong? She didn't form alliances and, and betray anyone and lie about her grandma being dead. You know, Rob, I feel yeah. like there's a uh, an unfair thing. Do you think there's anything else that we haven't touched on that might be part of, of the way that Colleen's kind of discussed today or thought of? Well, I just wonder if a lot of people are coming in, like if you are newer, a, a, like a newer fan, like maybe you've heard about Colleen Haskell, maybe you've seen the name. And then I'm just wondering if like what is actually on the screen, you know, it was more of like you had to be there to kind of get the Colleen thing. And it's kind of underwhelming to uh, be watching. And if more people who are watching now, they're, they're just they're, there's not a ton on the show. Okay. I, I think that's actually a great point. So I think some of the major ones that we've covered here is that I think the modern f- fan base sees Colleen as, you know, a bit elusive and aloof. Uh, she is like a kind of innocent, pure, the, uh, still a sweetheart, I think, in the eyes of most people. Someone who is not particularly great at the game. That's my thoughts, at least. And uh, uh, I think she's perceived to maybe be a bit underwhelming uh, since the magic is really about happening then and there. Do you think I missed anything, Nige? I think that that's pretty accurate. I certainly think that it was a, a bit of an underwhelming experience um, just because the expectations were set so high by people who I think were there at the time. Yeah. Uh, but so I, I do want to try to take a, a little bit of a look, though, at how the opinions of Colleen have changed over time. Uh, looking at her historical legacy, Rob, you know, you you mentioned that you don't know what it was, but she had a bit of like an it factor, I guess, at the time. Mm-hmm. As as the show progressed, you know, by the time you're on, you are leading the charge on innovating strategy. So do you I think, think that your opinion factor? 
the it factor, mm -hmm. right? But I mean, I, did your opinion of Colleen change the more you kind of explored the strategic elements of the game? Um, so, not really, you know, just to like speak to like why she was famous and why she was popular. You know, you have to remember that at the time that this was on TV in June of 2000, other than people on the real world, these were the only reality TV personalities like in the world. And there was uh, not a lot of other things to be talking about in terms of like, you know, there, there was no like reality star culture. So this was it. There were like two, you know, uh, with all due respect to Kelly Wigglesworth, there were like, two, there were, there were two young women that were sort of like the ingenues of Survivor in uh, Jenna Lewis and, uh, and Colleen. And, you know, people were talking about them. Yeah, it's so interesting because you look at people who go on the show today. I think you could have a contestant who was not a fan of Survivor. They had heard maybe just a little bit, never seen an episode. And when they hit the beach, I think they are still far more prepared for what's going to happen than anybody in Borneo. And it's because I think as a culture, we've just heard a lot more about all of the reality television. Think about all of the shows that we know of that are these uh, elimination reality shows. You have like The Circle, but I think you even have shows like The Apprentice as one that mm -hmm. you are going through. Someone is eliminated each round. I think we all have an expectation that reality TV can be cutthroat in a way that people back then would not have assumed. They didn't know what the show was going to be and they were on it. Yeah, and, and I, I just think Colleen was probably horrified of what the show became. I remember there was an interview, um, you know, because as, as super, super fans, I feel like we talk about snakes and rats as like the best moment ever. It's so iconic. It like, you know, it was it was it was, it was such an important part of the show. And um, uh, I, I remember when Colleen was asked about it, she said, like, I guess someone asked, was it as incredible as it, as it was um, when TV. you were there? And she goes, it was awful. I mean, you have this like, you know, trucker just berating this poor 22 year old. I was like, no one's going to watch this. This is the worst show ever. Like to, to really have that perspective is, is so interesting and so different. And so I, I really appreciate that about Colin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the audience is new to Survivor in Borneo as well. And I'm sure that a piece of what made Colleen really work is uh, her position as the final Pagong, kind of, you know, the horror of what is happening because of these evil Toggies who have come together. And so she's like, she's the opposition to them. And a lot of people thought that an alliance was cheating at the time, right? A lot of people thought that this wasn't fair. You were supposed to just probably be voting for the best survivalist. And they were kind of cheating the game a little bit. And so I'm sure that part of what fun is her making fun of those people, the cheaters, right? Yeah. Um, Rob, actually, uh, just to have the, the understanding of you at the time, did you think alliances were cheating right away? Because if you were a fan of Colleen, I think sometimes maybe that was the perspective at the time. I didn't think it was cheating, but like, I think there definitely was like a, a lot of like discourse, uh, especially like uh, in the little bit of survivor media there was and like in talking with my friends, like do they need to change the rules to make it so that you can't do alliances? Like uh, this was, okay, maybe was this kind of like a loophole in the game 
game that was being exploited. And maybe they needed to sort of like take a look at the rules of Survivor because how could you have a game where the, then there's a, an alliance or what happens if then, you know, maybe like the one team has an alliance and then in Survivor 2, then there's another alliance on the other team. What will happen then? Yeah, I, I so I actually was able to pull up some of the historic articles, some 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 uh, things that I think gave us a bit insight of at the time. And there was actually an EW uh, article where uh, the title of the article is "Colleen Heads Back to School, Comma Clothed." Uh, subtitle: uh, "The Cool Lean Survivor Tells EW.com About Rats, Romance, and Playboy Offers." Mm-hmm. So I cool think cool lean. That was what Sean called her when he voted cool her off. Cool lean. Yes. He's like I call her cool lean. Uh, you know, that she's cool, she's likable, and I think actually- She was also very lean. Very lean and lanky. And I think maybe like desirable. I'm sure a lot of people were still tuning into Survivor about people eating bugs and being stranded and and like what happens on an island when you're together. And I think that clearly was still the image many people were still kind of writing about um, the contestants and about Colleen. I just wanted to highlight a few other things to kind of get some insight here to confirm how maybe some people were describing Colleen at the time. Some words here are used- Maybe nice girls do finish last or almost last. So nice, of course, is being used here. Uh, Colleen was the last of the fun-loving Pagong tribe uh, facing off against the Chagi Alliance. She was known for her easygoing attitude, her clear-eyed comments about the growing conspiracy to boot her off the island. So that is, of course, about like being astute for, about the game um, and seeing the alliance kind of emerging against her. And she was also kind of described as unambitious or succeeding, even though there are people who are more ambitious than her, which I think, again, is part of that Gen Xer. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that Colleen, as the last member of her alliance, is referred to as being a victim of a conspiracy to get mm-hmm. rid of her. And today we're like, what do you what do you mean you weren't a member of an alliance? You, you weren't prepared for what was coming. She, she has an entire conspiracy set up to to you know make her fail here. it better be a conspiracy because why would anyone vote colleen off she's perfect <laughs> you know that's i think that's that's probably how a lot of people thought did you find anything else uh from historical perspectives so historical colleen. perspective the other thing i was able to find was an edgic chart i i, I oh. a few an edgic chart i'm like i'm like the nate silver of rhap rob i i just wanted to i i reviewed the data looked at it and this is the one that was created closer to 2000 so edgic was not a thing and i guess maybe we should unpack that briefly which is it's a way of just reading the edit and each contestant gets a like a rating for each episode and it's a great way to visually understand kind of what their arcs and journeys on the show were are they more positively toned negatively toned were they under the radar or were they over the top whatever so colleen in her um uh arc uh her 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 time in borneo she lasts 11 episodes in the 11 episodes in this one chart at least she is rated positive in nine of them so nine out of 11 so i think exceptionally positive um portrayal of her and um uh, in comparison, you think of someone like Sean Kenneth, who lasted one spot earlier, like later than hers, mm-hmm. is the fifth placer. He lasts 12 episodes and he gets two positive edgic ratings. Um, and uh, again, another form of reference, Jervis, who was like popular as well, um, uh, lasts 10 episodes and receives a total of four out of 10. So, you know, she's like has a really, really positive portrayal on the show. And I think it's clear based on the way that we, we've we gone over some of these articles. And I think it's interesting. When you think of Edgic, it is 
you know, just trying to unpack the mm-hmm. choices that producers are making to make us feel a certain way about people. Clearly, they want us to feel very positively about Colleen. And I think that that might be actually maybe an issue that I have because I, I, I think that she is supposed to be the sweetheart to us. They are adding music cues, different things to make us view her in that way. But I'm, I think, seeing a lot of the the snarkiness, the cleverness in her confessionals, the apathy, uh, I think, when it comes to the game itself. And and I have, I think, an issue with apathy in general. I'm a classic millennial, love to be excited about everything. And so her, her cool demeanor, I, I think, kind of pushing back against the game itself, I don't uh, read as positive, which I think clashes a little bit with the edits, quote unquote, that we're getting. Well, if I uh, may just add that Colleen, you know, if we're looking at her and it's hard for anything for Borneo to look at it through the lens of like a modern day survivor game. I wonder if Colleen was just somebody that had like a really great social game. I don't think that any of the other players speak of her in a negative light throughout the entire thing. And that's not the same for Jenna Lewis or (laughs) some of the other people from, uh, you know, her original tribe. But I don't think that anybody like has any sort of issues with her socially. I'm just looking to see if she got votes. Uh, Jervis, uh, Jervis and Ramona vote for her, but I suspect that was sort of like, okay, well, maybe she's the weakest person that's left from Pagong and maybe we'll cast a vote for her. And then other than that, uh, Sean Kniff cast a vote for her when Gretchen went home on like the four, one, 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 one. And that's alphabet. Uh, yeah. Uh, the alphabet first, I guess, oh yeah, first alphabet votes. I don't know. Do you even count that? And then she doesn't get any other votes until, uh, she gets voted out of the game. So, you know, she's not like playing uh, strategic in any way uh, or in much of a way, but she was I, I think she did understand like on a very basic level of like, don't piss people off. Yeah, I think she underst- she's likable. Right. And uh, almost effortlessly likable, it seems. I think maybe at most maybe she's could be a little shy. Perhaps I think there's um, accounts of I think Mark Burnett's book talks about, you know, Colleen being a bit. um you know, sensitive and like kind of maybe keeping to herself towards, especially the beginning of the game until Mm -hmm. Greg really came along. Um, But uh, uh, I think she is, is, is well liked. And I think it has a lot to do with kind of the, the heart of the show, which is like to have influence and, and, and to connect with people. And she's just naturally gifted at those things. Rob, I love the view of Colleen having an excellent social game, because I think if you kind of frame her in that way, can you really blame her for not having advanced strategy in the very first season? I mean, she she is on the opposite tribe of where the, the first true alliance is forming. She doesn't have that same exposure. So, you know, if Colleen decided to go on Australia, she probably doesn't after watching Borneo, right? <laughs> but let's just say that she does. You know, I think it's quite possible that we view her as a much better player because she just knows going in, you're supposed to have an alliance. Yeah. I think that that could totally change the way we think. Of and it. I don't think that Colleen would ever would be against the idea of having an alliance. But I think that the Colleen's alliance would be on her terms. We are an alliance because we are friends. She tries to like get something go- like if like 
Greg and Jervis and Jenna Lewis, you know, like the, the people that she was friends with, like, you know, under the rights are like, okay, this is what you have to do. I think she would do it. You know, she was, you know, uh, had Jenna Lewis and then they were trying to get, you know, Kelly Wigglesworth to, to vote with her. But she would never be in an alliance with people she didn't like just to have the numbers like that. That's not what she was about. And and she's the first person to really brand Kelly Wigglesworth with like wishy washy of that. Like, well, how, how could you be in an alliance with them? They suck, these people. Uh, and I don't think that Colleen would be the type of person that would ever work with people she didn't like just to get ahead in the game. Yeah. And I think, you know, her just being so likable. What I wanted to mention earlier was that if Kelly Wigglesworth did not win that immunity and several immunities afterwards, um, the edit suggests at least that Kelly would have been voted off at final six and Colleen would have, you know, actually survived a Toggy member, but just how it all shook out, she ended up going home. So I think uh, completely accurate about how, uh, you know, she's this like likable figure and just naturally socially gifted. Uh so I think we need to really kind of evaluate some of the central questions we've had since the beginning here. You know, is Colleen Haskell really a sweetheart? And uh, talk about that. But we can do that right after this break. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Kevin. So why don't you reiterate for us some of the uh, main points you got as far as the... Uh, consensus view of of Colleen Haskell. So the ones I wrote down during our discussion is that one, elusive, uh, aloof. Uh, two, innocent, sweet, sweetheart. Three, uh, a poor player at the game or was not interested in strategy. And four, an underwhelming character um, for like modern fans. So Rob, I'm interested in hearing from you as we've you know, really talked out a lot of the Colleen journey as someone who was there at the time, who has really delved into a lot of the strategy and in comparison to Borneo, advanced strategy that has happened then. Do you think going back to Borneo, you would find Colleen underwhelming? Yeah, I think you would have to because that we've seen so much more. I mean, we've seen 43 seasons of Survivor and and 24 plus, plus seasons of Big Brother and the the challenge and the Bachelor and basically we we've seen like every single trope that's ever come and all of these colorful characters that have come along over the years and that Colleen 
her claim to fame was like oh, she kind of was flirting with one of the guys on the show. <laughs> like maybe they, maybe they, maybe they kissed and they didn't show it. What do you think? Like uh, th- th- that was that was it. That's all we're basing this on. So I mean, Colleen, with 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 all, with all due respect, uh, she seemed like a very nice lady. She had an interesting haircut that not a lot of other people had. <laughs> she was very recognizable, but she's kind of like um, you know uh, a, a little basic. Uh, and she was a person who, uh, reluctantly like was cast into this show. She didn't want to be there. She was reluctantly famous. She didn't want any of it. And I guess because the more she didn't want to be known, the more we wanted to know what's going on with her. Yeah. She's like situationally interesting in particular. And I think she is like a meek person. Um, Nigel, so do you, would you agree that it's been underwhelming? So, you know, I, I was underwhelmed when I first watched Borneo, but in some of the clips that we watched to prepare for this podcast, reviewing everything in this conversation, I think I'm happy to settle on my initial viewing of Colleen was underwhelming, but I think that the magic of Colleen is that she was on Borneo. She really works because the first season is about discovering what the show is. I think if you put her on Australia or anything that follows, I don't think Colleen probably works in the same way. So I think that maybe if you were to go in blind listening to Borneo without kind of going through the fandom Mm -hmm. online first, I think that you maybe would not be underwhelmed. If you just wanted to introduce someone to Survivor and just started with Borneo, I think they probably would not find Colleen to be underwhelmed. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? I mean, I think I totally get the perspective that, it, I mean, how can it, how can it ever live up to its legend? You know, it's like, is, is Beyonce overrated? I'm like, well, probably. I mean, she's like, like if you're, if she's like, no, you. I know, I know. I, Colleen is my Beyonce, by the way. So I will say that just like with Beyonce, yeah. as further I get away, when I get to see it again, I'm like, oh, I get why. I get why I love this. But I, I don't think that that's like a fair comparison to compare like uh, somebody like uh, Beyonce, who's a superstar now. It's almost like that we're uh, like player or, or like uh, if you want to do with like with sports, like we were the best, you know, football players from the 1920s, like uh, like okay, or the people that dominated or were, you know, super popular, like uh, the movie stars of the 30s. Like, how could they compare to the movie stars of now? They were just the people that they found and the people that they put in the things. You didn't have a lot of other things to compare it to. So like, uh, was Clark Gable the best actor ever? No, probably not. But he was there and they put him in a bunch of stuff and you said, okay, that's a famous movie star. I think that's a a great point, Rob. A lot of the, I I think, value that we place on uh, people like him or on Colleen comes from the historical reference of the time and what they meant to us. At the end of the day, Colleen will always be one of the, uh, I think, positively, positively thought of characters from Borneo, the very first season of the show that we are still talking about 23 years later, right? I think that that will always bring a a level of specialness to these characters. Yes, I I agree. Um, So I I guess to kind of revisit some of the points we made earlier, you know, about her, you know, not caring about the game or being a poor player. um, Nige, do you... Still believe that? Or? Uh, my mind has been changed on her being a poor player from Rob's comment. I'm not going to claim she was a great player, but I think for someone in Borneo, having an excellent social game 
should put you fairly high on the list. She's the last surviving member of her tribe in a Paganging. I think that counts for something. And I think if you're good at the game, you don't have to, ha- you probably didn't need as much strategy. Like in the minds of you go, if you're just naturally likable, it's if you aren't, that's when you need to actually create alliances. Mm-hmm. So I think you almost kind of grade her on a curve a yeah. little bit. I think the really interesting question is what would happen if Colleen was on Tagi and Kelly was on P- Pagong? That does 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 Colleen go along to get along with the Tagi people and ultimately just works with them? Like one of those, like, well, like Sean and Dirk are idiots. I'm not gonna <laughs> hang out with them. So uh, I guess, sure, sure. I'll whatever. You guys tell me who to write down. I'll write them down. Uh, and then maybe like what happens when Pagong shows up? I, I think that that really would be the super interesting question. I, I think that's a great point. You know, she's on Pagong, the younger tribe. They're a lot more happy-go-lucky. They are not as serious and all about the work the way They're that the, the MTV are. tribe, and I don't even know what MTV means. <laughs> I mean, even Kelly doesn't want to hang out with them all the time and is interested in flipping it away. And I think Kelly's far more serious than Colleen is. So, yeah, maybe Colleen struggles a lot more on Taki, but... I don't know. Maybe they also just like her enough to keep her around. Yeah. Sue probably still hates Stacy. You know, like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the boot order still works out where she survives through. And I think Colleen is, you know, actually somewhat adaptable. She seems to, you know, she chooses to start working with alliances once she realizes that's the thing. And um, what I always loved is her frustrations with Sean Kenneth, you know, her talking to Jenna about how, like, it's like, hear me out here. Sean says there was four votes for Dirk and then there was four votes for Gretchen and then there were six, but like obviously four for Greg. And Sean's like, if it happens one more time, then I'll know. And Colleen's like, open your eyes. Like, so I think she seems much more observant. And I think, you know, I, the portrayals are there. The conversations around Sean and uh, Kelly were that they were certainly pretending to be more open to the Pagongs than they really were. But, you know, she understood that well, I guess we could either just lie down and take it or we can try to do something about this and form a counter-alliance, which she does with Jervis and Jenna. And they vote for Rich on his birthday. And so I think it's like kind of fun because had Colleen given up at the final eight, I think Bordeaux is way less interesting. So I think Colleen's contributions as someone who's actually like, uh, who cares about this game to actually caring about it in the 11th hour is really good for the show. I also think that part of what's fun about Colleen is that she acknowledges how like crappy it is that they're getting pagoned, mm-hmm. but she brings a lot of humor to it as well, where she's she's like complaining, she's too cool for school, like back behind the gym being like, don't you hate that we have to be stuck here for the remainder of the semester? Running the mile again, you know? It, it, there's something about that that's really fun. And so mm-hmm. I think it's like a, a fun way to explore the uh, darker parts of Survivor, the betrayal, the getting rid of each other while making it still fun and funny Yeah. And they use Colleen, I think, really well because they have her be the one who kind of cuts away when they're like chopping off a fish's head or or the rats. You know, she's very like sensitive. So, Rob, after this discussion, after all that we've had to say about Colleen, I will pose the question to you again. Do you believe that Colleen Haskell is a sweetheart? This is, I think, a a complicated question. there There is no doubt in 2000, uh, that she was 
a, a sweetheart of reality TV. And, and, and she was more famous from Survivor than, you know, any other future player. People from Survivor 43, you know, aren't like a one one thousandth as well known as Colleen Haskell was from Survivor Borneo uh, with no slight whatsoever to the cast of Survivor 43, who are wonderful. Um, but in, in reality... And Colleen Haskell uh, was was not a sweetheart. I mean, she was kind of cynical. Uh, she talks about how that that she would thought it was stupid that they made a smiley face. You can't be a sweetheart who thinks a smiley face is stupid. <laughs> that's that's like one of the main things. Like, oh, smiley face. Oh, that's uh, so happy. I love it. Like, you know, that that was not Colleen. And. She was somebody who I just think, uh, to me, she was kind of more like an Aubrey Plaza, like uh, like from Parks and Recreation in terms of like giving the confessionals to like, this is stupid. I don't want to be here. Why is why like why? Why is this still going on? When do I get to go home? And ultimately that because we had n nothing else to compare it to, people looked at her and said, ah, uh, America's sweetheart, Colleen Haskell. And ultimately she's like, I, I don't want this. I never did. Rob, I really like the comparison of her to Aubrey Plaza because I think a lot of the content that they're saying is really similar. Oh, this sucks, as you're saying. But I think that Colleen delivers a lot of those lines with a lot more of a bubbly energy and she'll insert a lot of uh, joke or, or laughter in it in a way that Aubrey Plaza can be just deadpan in delivery. Right. And I, I think that we say that makes her a sweetheart. She, she was a little happy. She was a little bubbly. But I think it. she might be sarcastic most of the time. And his sweethearts are supposed to be a little bit earnest. I feel like there's something about like they're they are so honest that they're that, that when they say they love this that they that they uh, mean it. Um, Kev, what do you think? Is Colleen a sweetheart? I think she is a sweetheart. This is my final judgment here. I think Colleen Haskell is a sweetheart, but she's almost like, you know, it's like a comfort plus she's like sweetheart plus you know like she's she's great because she's not just a sweetheart in my eyes right because uh uh a sweetheart would be just so boring Colleen's better than a sweetheart she is you know I think cutesy in the way that sweethearts are but I think adds a little bit more of a punch and as I think about you know we discussed this earlier what makes a sweetheart a sweetheart I the ones I come to young woman Colleen, check that box right there. Um, against an evil force, you know, as an underdog who wants to see her, who's like upset that her allies are getting picked off. I think she also checks that box in the way that Elizabeth and Nalia do. You know, all three of them are part of like kind of count, like resistances to the, um, to some of the power players in the game. Um, she's innocent. Um, you know, she doesn't like the, I think the brutality of the game, even if she's sarcastic in her delivery of that, like I said, she kind of looks away when she sees the the heads being chopped off. She ends the game and says, be nice, play fair. You know, I think uh, you really notice her absence. So maybe Colleen Haskell herself is not a sweetheart, but I think the character of Colleen Haskell, in my, my opinion, falls in that sweetheart camp because... Um, she just has these other qualities. I mean, one thing I love about uh, the a pagonging is it kind of feels like a horror movie where they get picked off one by one by one. And the pagongs are just perfect. They really feel like the four of them and their camp counselor, Gretchen, showed up on Toggy Beach thinking they're all going to be friends. And um, that was not the case at all, right? And they're being picked off one by one. And Colleen mm -hmm. is the last person. I said earlier that the 
sweetheart is almost like a virginal character. And who's the last person in a horror movie? Quite often the quote unquote Burnett brunette like virgin yeah. and i feel like uh colleen kind of fits a lot of that by feeling so cutesy and young so i just i think she is a sweetheart even if she's not a classic sweetheart in many people's minds See, that's really fun uh you know the first scream comes out what is it 1996 1997 so it's like right around the same time as like within a couple of years of uh that first season of survivor so like i think there is something there yeah yeah i uh so i i think that i'm going to come down uh, changing my answer and saying begrudgingly, yes, Colleen is a sweetheart. I'm going to use one of these like wacky modern tribal council analogies now. <laughs> if we're going to look at, I think, Elizabeth as a very prototypical uh, sweetheart, think of her as Coca-Cola. I think Colleen is like cherry Coke, right? Like a variation, one that is not like the regular Coke. If you went to a restaurant and ordered Coca-Cola and you got cherry Coke, I think you'd be a little confused and weirded out and ask for a different drink, right? She's like a variation. But what I think is interesting is that she's the first one. So it feels like they started with a non-traditional sweetheart before moving into more traditional sweethearts later on. I think that's a good analogy i actually would say maybe colleen is more instead of if she's cherry coke and elizabeth is the classic coke i think elizabeth is the classic coke still and colleen is like the original coke recipe that you should not be consuming because of <laughs> the ingredients inside <laughs> maybe you know in the sense that like she because she comes before elizabeth right elizabeth is kind of created in response to colleen and just like the original recipe you can't find it anywhere i think um and just like colleen you cannot find it anywhere so i think maybe that's a the way I will come down on Colleen if we want to use the Coke analogy. Um, and I, I'll use one more uh, analogy here. You, Kevin, referred to Colleen as like a Disney character, right? I think that she's a little bit Disney Channel rather than a Disney movie. Uh, Disney Channel, I think, has like spunkier main characters that they follow. Think of Raven from That's So Raven. She has like a lot of attitude. And, and I think that Colleen comes in with attitude, right? She, she makes a lot of commentary about what she's like not liking there. I think that you want a, uh, Elsa, she seems really sweet. I, I, <laughs> I saw that movie one wow. time. Maybe it's not a good comparison. No, I don't, I, 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 I think you are right. I think she's a little bit more spunky Disney channel, original movie, Disney channel, um, like daughter, you know, who's like rolling her eyes about like getting another homework assignment or not wanting to do something or kind of giving attitude to a babysitter. Like she has that type of thing going for her. Um, and something that had kind of occurred to me was that this type of anti-authority kind of like, um, uh, uh, like apathy, but but still super honest and authentic way that I see of Colleen is that a moment where she had, which is that she reacts to the previous tribal council where Jeff Probst asks Sue and Kelly directly, is there an alliance? And Sue goes, no. <laughs> I don't know if I've even waited enough like beats actually for, for how awkward it was. Um, and they lied to like Jeff Probst and Colleen's the person we hear from first was like, you know, people would like lie about, you know, on a national television show about whether they had an alliance or not. And I love Jeff's question, by the way, which is, will a deserving person win? And Colleen says to the camera. And the answer is no. Uh, so mm -hmm. she has like a very, I think un she has a real like understanding of like yeah. what the experience she's going in. And, and Hatch was very annoyed about that. He like, he basically says like, oh, that was real. That was really tricky. What Jeff tried to do last night. If he's going to ask those types of questions, like, uh, you know, we're, we're going to say whatever we have to say. 
Yeah, and I think Colleen's just really aware of the insanity around her. She kind of, it's kind of like Aaron Lobdell about coach, you know, about like, this is, what am I in? Like, this is not normal. This is like, this is weird. I'm normal and they're all weird. And I, I, I like that Colleen, you know, serves that role to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Rob, do you have any closing thoughts on Colleen? Anything we haven't covered yet? No, it's so fun to go back and talk about, you know, the, these people. I mean, they they played Survivor 22 years ago, but it might have been, it should, like, if for all intents and purposes, it could be 100 years ago. You know, they, they played on something that, you know, it, it's even crazy that it's even called Survivor. You know, uh, Jeff Probst was there, but what they were going through was nothing like the experience that people go through in the modern era, it was like a, a totally different game with a different set of rules. And these were the first people to ever be thrust into this type of reality TV experiment. So it's it's just so interesting to talk about how people felt about these people. And I mean, this was in, in some ways like the truest like reality TV that there ever was because, you know, these people like had no idea like how they were coming across and, you know, what our response at home was going to be. Whereas the players compare it to like an Owen in Survivor 43, who knows what the graphics on the bottom of the screen are going to look like and what the, his story is to the viewers at home. These people just had no idea what any of this was ever going to look like. Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent right. And I think, uh, uh, you know, as someone who's a, an old school purist, you know, uh, I, I've, I've just always have such an appreciation or reverence for Borneo. And I think, you know, for people who are about to watch Borneo or about to, you know, embark on the Colleen Haskell experience, I think it's important to always remember that you have to think about it at that time, about how the, the energy, the discourse at the time, how people felt about alliances, how people felt about politics. I mean, all of that is, is, is part of, of the way to appreciate Colleen. Like, well, we live in a time where everyone's aware of reality television. We'll never have a Borneo again, and we'll never have a Colleen Haskell again. And I love the fact that she stands out as this really unique figure in Survivor history um, because she's in Borneo, and that adds to her, not not doesn't not take away from her. So I think it's Mario Lanza had said that the canonical only season of Survivor is Borneo because everything that came afterwards is influenced by having some sort of exposure to what Survivor is. So everything afterwards is just a variation. It's it's a slightly different kind of thing. And I think that is a fair way to look at Borneo. And I think that's an, an important context to consider the character that is Colleen Haskell. So Rob, thank you for joining us on this journey. Our very first You Think You Know a Character. This has been a blast. Yeah, I think this was so fun to go back and talk about Colleen. And I can't wait to see uh, where you two are going to go next. Thanks, Rob. So as someone who is uh, quite busy in RHAP, do you have anything coming up? Oh, uh, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff here in January. Tough as Nails is coming back. And so we're going to be uh, going back into season four of Tough as Nails kicking off this week. Going to be talking about a brand new show on Fox called Special Forces, where celebrity another show that will be the first of its kind where celebrities are competing uh, in to be trained by special forces trainers or something. uh, And plus everything uh, with the circle and much more over on robiswebsite.com. Thanks, Rob. Kevin, what do we have coming up here? Yes, for, you know, us, the You Thought You Knew, you know, series. You thought you, you know, knew we were, what was coming? 
<laughs> yes, exactly. You know, we have a few more, um, you know, contestants to we're going to dive into with, you know, super fans and, and contributors throughout RHAP. And so uh, if you like this, I hope people will catch our next episode, um, which is You Thought You Knew Dreams Heard. Oh. Where we'll we be discussing the question, was Dreams Heard really a villain with uh, the iconic survivor Fiji superfan Gia Worthy? A can't miss event. Kevin, where can people find you on social media? You can find me um, uh, on Instagram at, at Asian Narcissist uh, or on Twitter at, at Asian Narc, which is at Asian Narcissist for short. And if you actually want to join into the conversation in general about uh, our, our series that we're doing, you can use the hashtag uh, YTYK for You Thought You Knew. Thanks, Kevin. You can find me, Nigel Bocanegra, on Twitter at Nigel Speed. Rob, do you have some sort of new social media platform that you're on? Where do you want people to find you? <laughs> I'm still on Twitter until they shut it down. I'm at Rob Sestrino. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us today. We hope to see you next week. Bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VGW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.